Our scripture reading today comes from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to read along. Chapter 15, verses 35 through 38, and then 42 through 49. Hear now the word of God. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You fool! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also will bear the image of the man of heaven. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was sharing parenting stories with a member of our congregation. And it started because there's this verse in 1 Timothy where Paul says he received mercy so that in him Jesus Christ could display the utmost patience or the perfect patience or eternal patience. It sort of means all of those. And as a new parent, I've been discovering just how often you get grief for trying to help. We took our nugget to a fancy cafe in Colombia to choose a treat for herself. And she wanted ice cream and she told me, I want the pink one. Well, I know that the pink one is strawberry. We'd already tried strawberry ice cream. I, in fact, know that she does not like strawberry ice cream because she spit out her strawberry ice cream. So I tried to tell her, Nugget, you don't like strawberry ice cream. But she wanted the pink one. So I ordered the pink one, and I paid, thinking, that's a little more expensive than I expected. And they walk out with a gallon tub of the pink one which we walk back to the hotel and she takes one bite. And shocking, she in fact does not like it. But now she's upset because we promised her ice cream and this is gross. The utmost patience was not a trait that I had in that moment. (laughs) Exasperation, frustration, a desire to explain, I told you, I told you, how many times do I have to tell you? As a new parent... I found myself hit by this verse sort of like a Mack truck. I found myself wondering, how many times has God watched me blundering around, insisting on doing things my way, rejecting his plan, rejecting his blessings, and still God has the utmost patience. And I'm sharing this revelation I've had, and this is the story I get. It's around Christmas, and this family has decided on the gift idea. They know their kid wants one of those little cars you can drive around. Not just anyone a Paw Patrol one. So they're scouring the internet. They've got tabs open, Amazon, Google, checking all the websites, checking all the way to China for a Paw Patrol car. They can't find one. But they find one in the right color, a blue one. So they research the best blue one and they order it. And uh, 
They get it and it arrives, hours of searching, spending the hours secretly assembling, so much work going into the perfect blue, the right blue of this car. And Christmas morning he opens it, he's excited, he hops in, starts zooming around outside, and Dad flags him down and calls him over, thinking to himself, this is a slam dunk. We nailed this one. What do you think? I really wanted a green one. (laughs) And drives away. Anybody else been there? I really wanted a green one. This whole section from Paul's letter is about that. It's about the resurrection of the dead, this specific part of God's promise of salvation. One day we will be resurrected into eternal life with all the other saints living forever in the presence of God. And Paul gets a question. What what kind of body will we be raised with? Turns out Paul doesn't believe there's no such thing as a stupid question because he replies, You fool! And then goes through this explanation. You sow a seed, but you can't tell what it's going to look like until it grows. And then he says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a physical body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. And we've got to come to a full stop right there. Because we've got an issue with the translation here. If you've got it open, you can look at verse 44. It says it was sown a physical body, it's raised a spiritual body. If your Bible's a little older, that's not what it says. An older translation won't say physical, it will say natural. A natural body. And that's a better translation. The word is psychikos, and it means having breath. When God first creates humans, he gathers together the dust and he breathes into it. It has breath, a soul. It's our natural state. But my translation says physical body, and there's an issue with that because it makes it sound like we're not resurrected into a physical body, doesn't it? We're resurrected into something different, which is actually the opposite of what Paul is trying to say. There's this group of people Paul is talking to, and they believe that the body was dirty. The body itself was sinful, it was gross, All bodily desires are gross, so they would eat plain food and they would wear plain clothes and they would basically try and crush the body because the body is evil. And they start hearing about the resurrection and they start getting a little nervous. They start hearing about the resurrection of the dead and God will raise their bodies and they hear about how Jesus was resurrected in a body, how he still had holes in his hands and the hole in his side and they're thinking, that's nasty. That's nasty. I don't want to be resurrected with this. And if you ask them about the resurrection from the dead, they tell you, thank you, God, for the resurrection, for the whole eternal life thing. It's very generous. But we really wanted a resurrection without the body, this gross, nasty thing. I want one without the body. We really wanted a green one. Which is why Paul says they don't understand Here they are taking issue with how God is planning to resurrect them into eternal life like they have any idea what they're talking about. Do you know what an imperishable spirit-animated body would even be like? I have no idea. The only way we have to understand bodies is this one. 
And Paul says this is just a seed. This one is just a seed. It's growing into something more. There's always this movement in salvation. Things are naturally this way. God saves them not by making them something different, but by growing them into something more. We're born into bodies with souls, bodies that get sick, bodies that die, and God doesn't save us by getting rid of the body. God saves us by growing the body into something more. When our body dies, God resurrects it in the spirit, now freed from death, freed from decay, freed from sickness and from weakness. It's not different, it's more. And Paul gets fired up in this letter because there's this group of people, they're saying they don't want what God's got because they want something different. And he's saying, listen, you don't even know what you want. You don't even like strawberry ice cream. You think you want to leave the body behind because your body is sick, but you don't understand. You don't understand. It's just a seed. It's growing into something more. The trick for us isn't realizing that we will be resurrected into bodies animated by the Spirit instead of souls. That issue does not keep me up at night. But the question this text does expect us to ask is with what part of God's salvation do we say, thank you God, that is very generous, but I really wanted a green one. With what part of God's salvation do we say, I wanted something different. That's not really that abstract. Think about this. If you're struggling financially, paycheck to paycheck, and God promises salvation from that worry, so you're looking for a promotion, you're looking for a lottery ticket, for a new job, a way for God to fulfill that promise, but instead God says, yeah, not so much making more as needing less. I'm going to save you from needing extra money by saving you from wanting more stuff. Wow, God, thank you. That is very generous. But I really wanted a green one. Last year, we were working to adopt. Our constant prayer was that God would save us from the waiting. We literally could not wait anymore. We, just, we knew our child was there. We needed to get there. And so we prayed, God, would you move this along? Would you hurry this up? Would you save us from this waiting? We know you can move. And for most of it, we heard, yeah. Not so much I'm going to speed things up as to give you the patience to wait as it drags on. Wow, God. Very generous. Thank you for the patience, but literally the opposite of what we were asking for. It's when you're not happy with your appearance, but instead of making you beautiful by the world's standards, God offers to save you by changing how you see beauty. Or when you're feeling alone, but instead of making that person you've really been trying to make your best friend with, God rolls up with a crew of weirdos and sinners who aren't even your age and says, here you go, here's a church. And it's when your church isn't right, the people or the style or whatever, but instead of saying, saving you by leading you to this different church, this better, perfect church, God saves you by reminding you you're an imperfect person and you deserve an imperfect church. And you go, ouch, God. That's a very generous offer, but literally anything else. I really wanted a green one. I know you got me the blue car, but I wanted the green one. I hear you telling me I don't like the strawberry, but I just don't believe you. So, thank you. It's a very generous offer, but I'm going to go this way. 
This passage from 1 Corinthians is about when we think we know what being saved looks like better than God does. We want it to happen now, not more patience. We want that person, not those people, a change of appearance, not a change of heart. And Paul says this, Stop assuming you know what things are going to look like because you've seen the seed I planted. You don't know what it will grow into. Don't assume having a body is bad because your body gets sick. Something else is growing and you don't understand. Don't assume having less is worse because it means that we can't have all the things we want. Maybe having less frees us to focus more on the things that matter. Don't assume that being saved is just rushing through this process as fast as possible to get to Columbia to adopt a child because the daughter I have for you isn't in the system yet. I'm growing something more than what you can see. The salvation that God offers, it has started growing. And it's trying to push up through the dirt into the midst of our lives. And if we're not careful, we'll think it's a weed. And we'll say to ourselves, that's not what I wanted. I really wanted a green one. And we'll pluck it up. But it may not be what we want, but it is salvation. It may not look like we expect, but it is salvation. So this morning, as we pray the Lord's Prayer together in a minute, I want you to think about this line. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That line is a confession. It's a surrender. I really wanted the green one, but thy will be done. I wanted that salvation, but thy will be done. I wanted things that way. I don't understand how this is better. If I look at it, it looks worse, but thy will be done. Because we know that the seeds of heaven look small when they're planted. They look small. But they're growing into something more than we can imagine. So this morning we pray, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Let us pray together. Lord God, we confess that we often act like children. Positive that we know what salvation looks like. Positive we know what we want. Positive we know what we need better than you do. This morning we pause and confess that that is not true. So this morning we pray, Lord, in all things, in all things, in the hard things, in the joys, in the trials, in the struggles with our family, with our money, with our church, with our country, Lord, in all things, thy will be done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.